Book Two, Canto Two of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto Two. Babe's bloody hands may not be cleansed. The face of golden mean. Her sisters, two extremities, drive her to banish clean. Thus, when Sir Guyon, with his faithful guide, had with due rites and dolorous lament the end of their sad tragedy uptied, the little babe up in his arms he hent, who with sweet pleasance and bold blandishment gan smile on them, that rather ought to weep, as careless of his woe, or innocent of that was done. That ruth and pierced deep in that knight's heart, and words with bitter tears did steep. Ah, luckless babe, born under cruel star, and in dead parents baleful ashes bred, for little weenest thou what sorrows are left thee for portion of thy livelihood, poor orphan, in the wide world scattered as budding branch rent from the native tree, and thrown forth till it be withered, such is the state of men. Thus enter we into this life with woe, and end with misery. Then soft himself inclining on his knee down to that well, did in the water wean, so love does loathe disdainful nicety, his guilty hands from bloody gore to clean. He washed them oft and oft, yet not they been for all his washing cleaner. Still he strove, yet still the little hands were bloody seen, the which him into great amazement drove, and into diverse doubt his wavering wonder clove. He wist not whether blot of foul offence might not be purged with water nor with bath, or that high God, in lieu of innocence, imprinted had that token of his wrath, to show how sore blood-guiltiness he hates, or that the charm and venom which they drunk, their blood with secret filth infected hath, being diffused through the senseless trunk, that through the great contagion direful deadly stung. Whom thus at gaze the palmer gan to board with goodly reason, and thus fair bespake. Ye been right hard mated, gracious lord, and of your ignorance great marvel make, whiles cause not well conceived ye mistake. But know that secret virtues are infused in every fountain, and in every lake, which, who hath skill them rightly to have choosed, to proof of passing wonders hath full often used. Of those some were so from their source endued by great dame nature, from whose fruitful pap their well-heads spring, and are with moisture dewed, which feeds each living plant with liquid sap, and fills with flowers fair flora's painted lap. But other some, by gift of later grace, or by good prayers, or by other hap, had virtue poured into their water's base, and thenceforth were renowned and sought from place to place. Such is this well, wrought by occasion strange, which to her nymph befell. Upon a day, as she the woods with bow and shafts did range, the heartless hind and roebuck to dismay, Dan Faunus chanced to meet her by the way, and kindling fire at her fair burning eye, inflamed was to follow beauty's chase, and chased her, that fast from him did fly. As hind from her, so she fled from her enemy. At last, when failing breath began to faint, and saw no means to scape, of shame afraid, she set her down to weep for sore constraint, and to Diana, calling loud for aid, her dear besought to let her die a maid. The goddess heard, and sudden, where she sate, welling out streams of tears, and quite dismayed with stony fear of that rude rustic mate, 
transformed her to a stone from steadfast virgin state. Lo, now she is that stone, from whose two heads, as from two weeping eyes, fresh streams do flow, yet cold through fear and old conceived dreads, and yet the stone her semblance seems to show, shaped like a maid, that such she may her know. And yet her virtues in her water bide, for it is chaste and pure as purest snow, ne lets her waves with any filth be dyed, but ever like herself unstained hath been tried. From thence it comes that this babe's bloody hand may not be cleansed with water of this well, Ne certes, sir, strive you it to withstand, but let them still be bloody as befell, that they his mother's innocence may tell, as she bequeathed in her last testament, that as a sacred symbol it may dwell in her son's flesh to mind revengement, and be for all chaste dames and endless monument. He hearkened to his reason, and the child uptaking to the palmer gave to bear, his sad father's arms with blood defiled and heavy load himself did lightly rear and turning to that place in which while e'er he left his lofty steed with golden cell and goodly gorgeous barbs him found not there by other accident that erst befell he is conveyed but how or where he fits not tell which when Sir Guyon saw, all were he wroth, yet all gates mote he soft himself appease, and fairly fair on foot, however loath. His double burden did him sore dis-ease. So long they travelled with little ease, till that at last they to a castle came, built on a rock adjoining to the seas. It was an ancient work of antique fame, and wondrous strong by nature, and by skilful frame. Therein three sisters dwelt of sundry sort, the children of one sire by mothers three, who dying whilom did divide this fort to them by equal shares in equal fee. But strifeful mind and diverse quality drew them in parts, and each made others foe. Still did they strive and daily disagree. The eldest did against the youngest go, and both against the middest went to work and woe where when the knight arrived he was right well received as knight of so much worth became of second sister who did far excel the other two medina was her name a sober sad and comely courteous dame who rich arrayed and yet in modest guise in goodly garments that her well became fair marching forth in honourable wise him at the threshold met and well did enterprise she led him up into a goodly bower, and comely courted with meet modesty. Nay in her speech, nay in her haviour, was lightness seen, or looser vanity, but gracious womanhood and gravity, above the reason of her youthly years, her golden locks she roundly did uptie in braided trammels, that no looser hairs did out of order stray about her dainty ears. Whilst she herself thus busily did frame, seemly to entertain her new-come guest, News hereof to her other sisters came, who all this while were at their wanton rest, according each her friend with lavish fest. They were two knights of peerless puissance, and famous far abroad for warlike guest, which to these ladies love did countenance, and to his mistress each himself strove to advance. He that made love unto the eldest dame was hight Sir Hudibras, an hardy man, yet not so good of deeds as great of name, which he by many rash adventures when, since errant arms to sue, he first began. More huge in strength than wise in works he was, and reason with fool hard eyes overran. 
stern melancholy did his courage pass and was for terror more all armed in shining brass but he that loved the youngest was sans loy he that fair una late foul outraged the most unruly and the boldest boy that ever warlike weapons managed and to all lawless lust encouraged through strong opinion of his matchless might ne aught he cared whom he endamaged by tortuous wrong or whom bereaved of right he now this lady's champion chose for love to fight these two gay knights vowed to so diverse loves each other does envie with deadly hate and daily war against his foeman moves in hope to win more favor with his mate and others pleasing service to abate to magnify his own but when they heard how in that place strange knight arrived late both knights and ladies forth right angry fared and fiercely unto battle stern themselves prepared but ere they could proceed unto the place where he abode themselves at discord fell and cruel combat joined in middle space with horrible assault and fury fell they heaped huge strokes the scorned life to quell that all on uproar from her settled seat the house was raised and all that in did dwell seemed that loud thunder with amazement great did rend the rattling skies with flames of foldering heat the noise thereof called forth that stranger knight to weet what dreadful thing was there in hand where when as two brave knights in bloody fight with deadly rancor he enranged fond his sun-broad shield about his rest he bond and shining blade unsheathed with which he ran into that stead their strife to understand and at his first arrival then began with goodly means to pacify well as he can but they him spying both with greedy force at once upon him ran and him beset with strokes of mortal steel without remorse and on his shield like iron sledges bet as when a bear and tiger being met in cruel fight on libic ocean wide espy a traveller with feet surbet whom they in equal prey hope to divide they stint their strife and him assail on every side but he not like a weary travelier their sharp assault right boldly did rebut and suffered not their blows to bite him near but with redoubled buffs them back did put whose grieved minds which collared it in glut against themselves turning their wrathful spite gan with new rage their shields to hew and cut but still when guyan came to part their fight with heavy load on him they freshly gan to smite as a tall ship tossed in troublous seas whom raging winds threatening to make the prey of the rough rocks do diversely disease meets two contrary billows by the way that her on either side do soar essay and boast to swallow her in greedy grave she scorning both their spites does make wide way and with her breast breaking the foamy wave does ride on both their backs and fair herself doth save so boldly he him bears and rusheth forth between them both by conduct of his blade wondrous great prowess and heroic worth he showed that day and rare example made when two so mighty warriors he dismayed at once he wards and strikes he takes and pays now forced to yield now forcing to invade before behind and round about him lays so double was his pains so double be his praise strange sort of fight three valiant knights to see three combats join in one and to derain a triple war with triple enmity all for their ladies froward love to gain which gotten was but hate so love does reign in stoutest minds and maketh monstrous war 
he maketh war he maketh peace again and yet his peace is but continual jar o miserable men that to him subject are whilst thus they mingled were in furious arms the fair medina with her tresses torn and naked breast in pity of their harms amongst them ran and falling them before and besought them by the womb which them had borne and by the loves which were to them most dear and by the knighthood which they sure had sworn their deadly cruel discord to forbear and to her just conditions of fair peace to hear but her two other sisters standing by her loud gainsaid, said and both their champions bade pursue the end of their strong enmity as ever of their loves they would be glad yet she with pithy words and counsel sad still strove their stubborn rages to revoke that at the last suppressing fury mad they gan abstain from dint of direful stroke and hearken to the sober speeches which she spoke ah puissant lords what cursed evil sprite or fell irinus in your noble hearts her hellish brand hath kindled with despite and stirred you up to work your wilful smarts is this the joy of arms be these the parts of glorious knighthood after blood to thrust and not regard you right and just as arts vain is the vaunt and victory unjust that more to mighty hands than rightful cause doth trust and were there rightful cause of difference yet were not better fair it to accord than with blood guiltiness to heap offence and mortal vengeance joined to crime abhorred oh fly from wrath fly o oh, my liefest lord sad be the sights and bitter fruits of war and thousand furies wait on wrathful sword nay aught the praise of prowess more doth mar than foul revenging rage and base contentious jar but lovely concord and most sacred peace doth nourish virtue and fast friendship breeds weak she makes strong and strong thing doth increase till it the pitch of highest praise exceeds brave be her wars and honourable deeds by which she triumphs over ire and pride and wins an olive girland for her meads be therefore o oh my dear lords pacified and this misseeming discord meekly lay aside her gracious words their rancor did appall and sunk so deep into their boiling breasts that down they let their cruel weapons fall and lowly did abase their lofty crests to her fair presence and discreet behests then she began a treaty to procure established terms betwixt both their requests that as a law for ever should endure which to observe in word of knights they did assure which to confirm and fast to bind their league after their weary sweat and bloody toil she then besought during their quiet trigue into her lodging to repair a while to rest themselves and grace to reconcile they soon consent so forth with her they fare where they are well received and made to spoil themselves of soiled arms and to prepare their minds to pleasure and their mouths to dainty fare and those two froward sisters their fair loves came with the meek all were they wondrous loath and feigned cheer as for the time behooves but could not color yet so well the troth but that their natures bad appeared in both for both did at their second sister grutch and inly grieve as doth an hidden moth the inner garment fret not that her touch one thought her cheer too little another thought too much elissa so that eldest height did deem such entertainment base naught would eat naught would speak but evermore did seem as discontent for want of mirth or meat 
no solace could her paramour entreat her once to show ne court nor dalliance but with bent lowering brows as she would threat she scowled and frowned with froward countenance unworthy of fair lady's comely governance but young parissa was of other mind full of disport still laughing loosely light and quite contrary to her sister's kind no measure in her mood no rule of right but pour it out in pleasure and delight in wine and meats she flowed above the bank and in excess exceeded her own might in sumptuous tire she joyed herself to prank but of her love too lavish little have she thank fast by her side did sit the bold sans loy fit mate for such a mincing minion who in her looseness took exceeding joy might not be found a franker franian of her lewd parts to make companion but hudibras more like a malcontent did see and grieve at his bold fashion hardly could he endure his hardiment yet still he sat and inly did himself torment betwixt them both the fair medina sate with sober grace and goodly carriage with equal measure she did moderate the strong extremities of their outrage that froward pair she ever would assuage when they would strive due reason to exceed but that same froward twain would accourage and of her plenty add unto their need so kept she them in order and herself in heed thus fairly she attempered her feast and pleased them all with meat satiety at last when lust of meat and drink was ceased she guyon dear besought of courtesy to tell from whence he came through jeopardy and whither now on new adventure bound who with bold grace and comely gravity drawing to him the eyes of all around from lofty siege began these words aloud to sound this thy demand o lady doth revive fresh memory in me of that great queen great and most glorious virgin queen alive that with her sovereign power and sceptre sheen all fairyland doth peaceably sustain in widest ocean she her throne does rear that over all the earth it may be seen as morning sun her beams dispread and clear and in her face fair peace and mercy doth appear in her the riches of all heavenly grace in chief degree are heaped up on high and all that else this world's enclosure base hath great or glorious in mortal eye adorns the person of her majesty that men beholding so great excellence and rare perfection in mortality do her adorn with sacred reverence as the idol of her maker's great magnificence to her i homage and my service owe in number of the noblest knights on ground amongst whom on me she deigned to bestow order of maidenhead the most renowned that may this day in all the world be found an yearly solemn feast she wants to hold the day that first doth lead the year around to which all knights of worth and courage bold resort to hear of strange adventures to be told there this old palmer showed himself that day and to that mighty princess did complain of grievous mischiefs which a wicked fay had wrought and many whelmed in deadly pain whereof he craved redress my sovereign whose glory is in gracious deeds and joys throughout the world her mercy to maintain eftsoons devised redress for such a noise me all unfit for so great purpose she employs now hath fair phoebe with her silver face thrice seen the shadows of the nether world sith last i left that honourable place in which her royal presence is enrolled 
nay ever shall i rest in house nor hold till i that false acrasia have won of whose foul deeds too hideous to be told i witness am and this the wretched son whose woeful parents she hath wickedly fordone tell on fair sir said she that doleful tale from which sad ruth does seem you to restrain that we may pity such unhappy bale and learn from pleasures poison to abstain ill by example good doth often gain then forward he his purpose gan pursue and told the story of the mortal pain which mordant and amavia did rue as with lamenting eyes himself did lately view night was far spent and now in ocean deep orion flying fast from hissing snake his flaming head did hasten for to steep when of his piteous tale he end did make whilst with delight of that he wisely spake those guests beguiled did beguile their eyes of kindly sleep that did them overtake at last when they had marked the changed skies they wist their hour was spent then each to rest him highs End of Book Two, Canto Two, recording by Thomas Copeland.